listening to Law and Gospel on this Monday, May the 4th, in the year of our Lord, 2020. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and as is our custom on Mondays, we take a look at the readings for the following Sundays. It's the fifth Sunday of Easter next Sunday, which is on May the 10th. Readings from Acts chapter 6, 1 Peter 2, and John 14. We're going to be taking a look at the Holy Gospel from John 14, verses 1 through 14. And the first verse says, Jesus speaking, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Now, we really need to understand what Jesus is talking about, about your heart's not being troubled. Has he said something that could lead to their hearts being troubled? Yes, he has. In verse 33 of the previous chapter, John 13, he says, Little children, talking to his disciples, yet a little while I am with you, you will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. Verse 36, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. It's at that time Peter says, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus says, will you lay down your life for me? Truly I say to you, the master will not crow, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. Wow. And it's at that point our gospel begins. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Now, what does that mean? Well, first of all, the word for trouble here is a very interesting word. It means that a person is agitated by being worried about something, causes inward commotion, takes away the calmness of the minds, and leads to disquiet and restlessness. Well, I guess you can imagine that. Imagine that your spouse or a parent says to you, I am going away and you will not be able to come with me. You too would be interested. Well, to where are you going? Why am I not able to come with you? I will go with you wherever. But maybe they know something, obviously, that you are unaware of. Maybe they're going to the hospital and they're going to have surgery or something. Well, you can't come there. Or maybe they have an assignment from their business to go overseas for a while. I said that to my wife. You can't come with me. I went to Novosibirsk in Siberia for three weeks teaching law and gospel to Russians. 
let not your heart be troubled. Jesus says, believe in God, believe also in me. Now, the word for believe there is the word that we teach that one is saved by. We're not saved by our works. That's law and gospel coming here. We're saved through faith, belief, trust. Those three English words are all perfect translations for this Greek word to believe and the Hebrew word to believe. It means trust my promises. And here Jesus says, believe in God, believe also in me. Now, another way of translating that is believe in God, believe even in me, or indeed in me. That word can be translated as the word also, which means Jesus is making himself equal to God. Although the God that he's speaking of, of course, at this point is Uh, God the Father. Excuse me, I had to sneeze there for a moment. So, going on with verse 2. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would have I told you that I go to prepare a place for you? Now, the King James has, of course, in my Father's house are many mansions. And uh, it is simply... The word for mansion there is the word for a place to abide, a dwelling place, uh, to abode. It's therefore where God is. And there are many, many places to dwell. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to, now this next word is important, prepare a place for you to prepare. Now that also can be translated as to make ready, to make the necessary preparations. So he's going away to make the necessary preparations. What's the first preparation that you can think of that he's going to be making? It's not when he gets to heaven that he starts erecting these mansions. No, the place where he is going to begin the preparations, of course, is the cross. The cross of Jesus is the place where for sure your sins are paid for, that you are forgiven. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Where the work of Jesus is finished. So that's really important to understand that that is why (laughs) Jesus says to Peter, oh, you think you're going to be able to give up your life? I'm going to be giving up mine. He had told them he was going to go to Jerusalem, die, and rise in three days. But Peter, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. So when we think of Jesus preparing a place for you, The place he's preparing is none other than the cross. Verse 3, John chapter 14. 
if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Now, what's he talking about there? Well, if you take a look at the Apostles' Creed, remember, it talks about his crucifixion, his burial, his death, his resurrection, but then his ascension. And what is his one task that he's going to do during his ascension? He's going to return on the day of judgment to take the people to himself. Now, you need to read this verse 3 because it seems that one of the disciples doesn't read it properly. Because it, Jesus says, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That's the King James. The ESV, and will take you to myself. The New American Standard, and you re- receive you to myself. And that word for receive means that you are going to become his companion. He's not going to reject you. He's going to bring you to himself. Now, why do I say that one of the disciples didn't get that? Well, verse 4 of chapter 14 says, And you know the way to where I am going. Well, Thomas says to him, good old doubting Thomas, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Well, the fact of the matter is you don't have to read much of the Old Testament to learn that Jesus, as the Messiah, is one who becomes incarnate, becomes a human being. He's also God, dies on the cross, goes to heaven in the ascension, and will bring all disciples. All the prophets, when they're talking about that wonderful place they're going, remember it was the land of Canaan, a land flowing with milk and honey, but it also referred to the place of heaven. And that the Old Testament people knew about heaven. Remember David? when the son he first had with Bathsheba died so that God would not be mocked by the Gentiles, David says, I, he, my, my son will not return to me, but I will go to him. And, of course, you've got Job who says, I know that my Redeemer lives And I will see him with my own eyes. So the idea that heaven is a new concept in the New Testament is just wrong. And Thomas seems to have forgotten that. Jesus says to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, when he says, I am the way, that word used there is a traveled way. Jesus talks about it elsewhere. Remember, you have the broad way, 
which is the way of those who think they're saved by obeying the law. And then you have the narrow way, those are saved by believing in Jesus. So that's the word way. He says, I am also the truth. And what he's talking about there is the truth of his word. It was truly his word that created the whole world. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. And he became incarnate. That's John chapter 1 and verse 14. So he's the truth because he's giving the way to what? He's giving the way to life. See, we're born dead in sin. To have life means we now trust in Christ. And that trust is a gift from the Holy Spirit. It's not something we concoct in our own minds. And that's why we baptize infants, because they receive that trust also in infant baptism. So, Jesus goes on in verse 7. If you had not known me, you would have known my father. I'm sorry. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Now, put yourself in the place of the disciples. Jesus has taught a lot about the father. He even taught them to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven. So he knows about the Father. They know about the Father. But have they ever seen him? Maybe you would question that also. So what does verse 8 say of John 14? Philip now says to him, Lord, show us the Father. And it is enough for us. He uses the word Lord, which is often used for God. In fact, it's often used as an important person in the government. The Roman emperor was often referred to as Lord. That's why when the soldier at the cross says, Truly you are the Son of God to Jesus, Wow, he was putting his life in his hands because he was saying that Jesus was equal, if not superior, to the Roman emperor. And that would have caused him much problems. But he said it. So Philip asked a question, Lord, you know, you're saying that we can see the Father. Uh, Show us the Father. And the word to show means expose to us the Father or give us evidence that he is the Father. That's what he's really asking for. Jesus says to him in verse 9, Have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Now, 
that language that Jesus just used, that was a heresy in the early church, talking about the Trinity. We believe, teach, and confess the proper teaching that there are three persons to the Holy Trinity, and they are independent persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, For example, at Jesus' baptism, all three appeared. The Father, the voice from heaven, the Son standing in the water, and the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove. So it's very clear from the Bible, though there is one God, there are three persons. Well, the heresy taught that there's only one God, there's only one person, but he appears in three different ways. Same person, same God. Sometimes he appears as the Father, sometimes as the Son, sometimes as the Spirit. Well, that clearly is wrong, because there are numerous Bible passages that make it clear. Jesus himself says, we don't baptize in only the name of the Father, in only the name of the Son, in only the name of the Spirit, but baptize into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So it is a misunderstanding to think that when Jesus says, when you see me, you see the Father. What does he mean then? Well, there is such a similarity between the Father and the Son that it is clear that when you see the Son, you're also seeing the Father. Probably one of the best passages to look at is the first chapter of the book of Revelation. It's talking about what happened in Daniel chapter 7, when the Ancient of Days, and he's God the Father sitting on a throne, and he's dressed and he looks a certain way, he sends what's called the Son of Man, who, of course, is Jesus Christ, into the world to redeem the world. That's found in Daniel chapter 7. When you get to chapter 1 of Revelation, it's talking about Jesus Christ. And guess how he is described? He's described in the same way that the Ancient of Days, God the Father, was described. So there's one example where you see Jesus, you see the Father. Jesus and the Father are one. They're one because they're both divine. They're one because they have the same attributes. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are almighty. They're omniscient, which means they know everything. And, of course, they're omnipresent, which means they are everywhere, not only in space, but also in time, the past, the present, and the future. So, Jesus is making the point that the Father and I are so close together, I have come to do the will of the Father. And therefore, when you see me, you are seeing the Father. You know, sometimes that happens when I was uh, 
kind of a teenager, and people would meet me, and they would say, boy, you look just like your father. And actually, that made me kind of happy, because my father was a good-looking man. He always had expensive clothes on. He was an insurance salesman. He always was dressed to the T. Uh, for some reason, I haven't picked that up. But at any rate, <laughs> um, to say that you're the image of your father is pretty good if you have the kind of father that I had. And so that's what Jesus is saying there. You see me, you see the father. Verse 10 that we're taking a look at now in John 14. Jesus, do you not believe that I am in the father and the father is in me? So there's an example, a evidence that they are in each other so much. This is a great doctrine of the Holy Trinity, that the Father is in Jesus, Jesus is in the Father. We often see that triangle, and uh, the three points of the triangle are the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, and in the center of the triangle is the word God. But in the lines leading down to each of the three persons are the words, is not. So the Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is not the Father, but they are all God. So they are all so intertwined with each other that there are three distinct persons, one God. And therefore Jesus can say, I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. And the proof I have for you is the words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. That means they're not just from me, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. That's why occasionally Jesus thanks the Father for the miracle that is occurring. Verse 11. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. And those works that he's talking about are the works that he has done as a Savior, particularly the miracles. As I said, there's a number of occasions when he thanks the Father for doing the miracle. And he says it out loud at times so people recognize that some of the miracles are by the power of the Father, whereas some of them he does on his own divine authority, such as when he's in a tumultuous sea, he stills the waters. That's Jesus with his own authority. Verse 12, truly, truly, Jesus says, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Well, we can do greater works than Jesus. It happened on the day of Pentecost. The apostles were speaking in other tongues, and people not only came to faith, but were baptized thousands of them on that day. And we do need to remember even the apostles 
were able to do miracles. And that still goes on today. I think a lot of pastors will tell you about people they prayed for who they thought would have no hope with an illness, came through the illness, and even the doctors were surprised. Uh, Some of them even refer to it as a miracle. So that still can occur, but it's always up to the will of God. Verse 13, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. What does that mean? The word to be glorified is to be praised, to celebrate in thankfulness to the Father. But is that true? Whatever we ask in his name, he does it? So let's say I want to buy a house. And I see a house, so I pray to God. I pray that I will have that house. But guess what? Somebody else buys it. See, what's really important is the phrase, whatever you ask in my name. What does that mean? Not in my name. I don't say, Jesus, I'm Tom Baker. And because of my name, I expect this to be answered. No. But in the name of Jesus, I'm saying it, which means I leave it to his will. And that's how this text ends. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Join with us tomorrow for the hymn for this coming Sunday. I'm Tom Baker. God bless. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.